Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. Chris and I were talking today, usually the day of we kind of finalize, what do we want to talk about today? And it so happened that he and I both wanted to talk about the exact same thing. Yes, we have this kind of endless list that we're always adding to of topics that we we feel are important or that people will suggest to us or ask about. And like Melissa said, we just kind of, a lot of times we pray about it, um, just kind of follow our intuition. And yeah, so I'm really excited about this one today. We're vibing on the same wavelength for once. So I hope that means, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, right, always. I hope that means that there are listeners who can really use this message and really benefit from it. Yeah. And the, the focus of this episode is like how to face your fears and not, and it's interesting for me because when I think of this idea of overcoming your fears, it doesn't, it doesn't really resonate with me because I don't actually, that's not how I've experienced it in my life. Like I didn't overcome my fear and then was able to do that thing that I was afraid of. And a story that I'll share with you that kind of highlights what I'm talking about is our uh, daughter, Ivy, she loves tumbling and, you know, she's been progressing and can now kind of effortlessly do back handsprings. And so the next, the next, you know, progression for her is a, I call it a backflip and she always corrects me. It's a back tuck. It's basically, she, you know, does a backflip with no, with no support and it really scares her, which it would scare, it would scare me too. I'd have, I would have definitely fear around just doing a backflip on the ground by myself. And I had this breakthrough. Ivy and I were on a, on a date, um, just the two of us talking. And I got this impression in her talking about her back tuck that she was waiting to get to a place where she was no longer afraid and then she could do it. And we started talking about other things in her life. And I was like, oh, interesting. She sees it as like you have to overcome the fear in order to be able to like confront that thing and to do it. And so we we had this idea of like, well, what if it's not about overcoming your fear? What if it's about just facing the fear and then doing it anyways? And what if it what if you do it scared? And it was actually this really liberating thing for Ivy. It wasn't like doing it scared was like a discouragement. It's like, oh, I can I can just be scared and still do it anyways. And I was like, yeah, Ivy, I, I've done lots of things like that in my life. And I realized that I had never shared with her that, you know, because she sees me, you know, speak on stages and speak in front of lots of people and always talking to people at my business. And I thought like, oh, she just assumes that I've never been afraid. And I said, Ivy, the first time I spoke in front of a, an audience of, of a thousand people, even the first time I spoke in front of an audience of a hundred people, I was scared. I was afraid, but I just, but I still did it. And yeah, I just think there's this really powerful thing. So I want to, we, we want to share today our experiences of facing fears and, and doing it anyways. And then, yeah, maybe give you some ideas and some practical ways to, to think about like what's something in your life that maybe you don't take action on or that you, you want to, but you know, fear is holding you back and it can be from something 
from starting your own business to like going to the gym. Even a gym class or any little thing. It doesn't have to be a big lofty thing that you're waiting on. And this is something that I too this year I'm focusing on, um, on my vision board. There's two or three things that I feel like have to do with this. So I just wanted to point out a couple of them. So I really like this, the magazine, the Magnolia magazine. And I feel like it always has really great articles and just things that I always just feel like pertain to me, but they have, I think they call it their manifesto. There's one line in it and it says, we believe in courage in cartwheeling past our comfort zones and trying something a little bit scary every day. And that's something that I've been really wanting to do this year. And I feel like I've been doing pretty good, but just that idea of trying something a little bit scary every day, like really getting out of a comfort zone, facing, facing fear and I don't know, just being okay with being uncomfortable. Melissa, let me ask you, we we were talking about this yesterday or the day before, pretty cool, um, pretty cool like um, moment, I guess you would say for us is that Melissa owns a duplex and she owns a fourplex. Both, she, she bought both in the last couple of years. Last year. Last year. Bought them last year. (laughs) Time just like the last year seems like 10 years in some ways. (laughs) Um, And we were realizing on a hike yesterday with, uh, with two of our kids that this will be the first month that all of her units in the fourplex and the duplex are rented. Like that's like a cool accomplishment, right? Yeah. It's taken a long time. Because of renovations, and then the fourplex was actually completely renovated, and then there was a massive, massive like sewer problem, plumbing thing. Yes, like literally, like the 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 fourplex is completely renovated, brand new, beautiful flooring, everything, and then this plumbing problem, and they had to go cut through all of the beautiful floor and the walls, and like and redo the the plumbing in <laughs> which, the in the ground. Like they were literally literally jackhammering out the beautiful floor, the concrete flooring. <laughs> The concrete of the floor. <laughs> Which then set us back a few months from being able to get tenant. Anyways, good news is, so my point in saying all that, did you get to a place, Melissa, on either one of those investments that where like, you're like, oh yeah, I have no fear anymore. I've completely overcome the fear. Now I'm ready to buy these and I'm ready to tackle this renovation. Or was it like, no, you were, you were still afraid, but you just, you still did it. Yeah, I was still afraid. And if I were to buy another property, I would still be afraid. There's just so many unknowns every time I feel like. Yeah. And I think that's a misconception that we have about people is we assume people that we hold in some regard in any area of our life, like, oh, they just don't have fears. Like they don't, they're not afraid. That's why they've gone out and done that. And to me, it's really liberating to to realize like, no, they were afraid, but they just still did it. Yeah. My, um, my real estate mentor, Deb, even now she's been in the business 30, 40 years she says that every time after she purchases a, a building, she still gets a little like, should I have, should I have bought that? I don't know. Just, just for like a day, like buyer's remorse, I think she calls it. But it was helpful for me to, to hear that because then when I felt that the day after I bought it, I was like, okay, maybe this is normal. Maybe that doesn't, this doesn't mean that it was a complete awful decision. So that I, yeah, I think it is helpful knowing that other people, maybe go through similar things. Well, I think that's a confusing thing sometimes though about fear is that sometimes the fear has you feel like it was the wrong choice or that you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not 
that. In fact, most of the time in my experience, it's that's actually not the case. There's been plenty of things I was afraid of before I did it or fearful of having done it. And it actually ended up being a great thing. So fear is not, it can be sometimes like it can be sometimes like a warning sign or something to look at, but just like two of our kids are really, really fearful of the ocean. And I think most you were too, like, yeah. And yet that wasn't like, oh, because I'm afraid of the ocean. That, that means that I'm getting this impression that I shouldn't ever get in the ocean. It's like, now you guys, all, all three of you surf and love the ocean and getting it. And Melissa and I had an amazing, it was really cool. This morning, Melissa and I surfed on our own for the first time ever together. Like meaning no surf instructor, no kids. We went to point to point, caught some waves on a little date. It was just, it was a blast. They call it a party wave when you catch the same wave together. We got two party waves. <laughs> it was fun. But that's just like a great example of like fear doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And it it also doesn't mean like, oh, because you're feeling fearful, you should always do it. But it's just, I know. When you, there's a phrase, uh, I'm going to see if Melissa, I'll put her on the spot here. There's a phrase often associated with fear that I think is really interesting. Um and it's a way to describe fear. So it's like, I experienced this blank fear. This is a test. <laughs> Any guess on what the word is? Paralyzing? Yeah. But isn't it interesting? Think about that for a second. Why is it that we, in the, even like the human language, when describing fear, we often associate that phrase as paralyzing fear. What's well, because that's what fear does to us. And I think if we realize that, like what fear does is it, it can, and oftentimes paralyzes us, which like we can't move. And so it's like, well, okay, well then how would I face my fear? What's the antithesis of being paralyzed? <laughs> it's not being paralyzed. It's movement. And so I love this quote. It's by W. Clement Stone, and his quote is, thinking will not overcome fear, but action will. So if you're fearful of getting in the ocean, the way you, the way you like overcome that, if I said, you get in the ocean. <laughs> you're fearful of going to a gym class and being judged. There's really like one really powerful thing you can do is you go sign up and you go to the gym class. Because here's what usually happens. You go to, like in that case, you go to the gym class and you're like, oh, like no one was mean to me. No one said anything judgmental to me. I didn't die. <laughs> or like, let's say, unfortunately, this could happen. You go to the gym class and someone does judge you. Someone does say something mean to you, but you still like made it through it. Like, and I think that's what happens in so many situations in life. It's like thinking will not help you face or overcome your fear. It's like action will. Yeah. I have a quote there. Someone that I've heard speak about this in more than one occasion is Sarah Blakely. She's the founder of Spanx. And I actually have, I have this quote on my vision board. I think it totally applies, applies here. So this, this is what Sarah Blakely says. She says, when I sense that fear creeping in, I try to look below the surface. What's really going on there? All of us are scared to fail, but why? What is failure really about? What is really at stake? If you think about it, behind the fear of failure is really just the fear of embarrassment. None of us want to be made fun of or laughed at. That's human nature. 
But if we accept that embarrassment is not the end of the world, then we can let go of the need to have everything go just perfectly. In my experience, as soon as we loosen those reins, the really good things start to happen. If I had stopped my Spanx journey the first time I got embarrassed, I wouldn't even have started. And I think that's totally applicable to what you're saying, um, like about, well, anything, but specifically the, like the gym example, um, at the bot at the underneath all that fear, it's probably just a fear of like, like Sarah Blakely was saying embarrassment. Yeah. I could apply that probably to anything. Like I'm, you know, I'd be afraid to make a sales call. Cause what if it's like, what if I get rejected and that's embarrassing or I'd, I'm a fearful to start my business. Cause what if it fails? And my family knows that and my well, friends know think, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, that's really profound. I think like the, at, at the root of what we're really afraid of oftentimes is the fear of being embarrassed. I also think that it's interesting if we can kind of recognize where fear comes from, like where it lives. And so I taught some, some two day events back in 2019 and I, and I was the purpose of these events was to really just inspire entrepreneurs to like really take a stand for what we called their mission, their message and their movement, right? It's like to take a stand for the the mission, the thing they felt called to do their message, the thing they felt called to say, and then the movement, the thing they felt called to lead. But what I've talked about, like before you can do that, you really have to confront some things. You have to confront your story of guilt and shame. You have to confront your story of fear and you have to confront, you know, your story about money. So specifically on this story about fear and just doing lots of research and talking to lots of people, it was interesting that for most of us, fear is often associated with anxiety and it most often lives in the future. Meaning like it's not real. Like it doesn't even exist. It's, 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 it's a, it's a total like concept. that's all manufactured in our minds that isn't even like, like if I have a fear of the ocean or if I have a fear of starting a business, it doesn't even live in my present world today. Mm-hmm. It's not here. It can't be real. But man, we can really like run with all kinds of stories about the future and what might happen. And anytime we start living in the future around that fear, the biggest, one of the biggest risks is we're not living in the place where life's actually taking place, which is the present. So we can't enjoy life and we can't be as happy and as fulfilled Another thing that I thought was interesting is Emily Fletcher, who's become a really good friend and she has an amazing um, approach to meditation called Ziva. She talked about how the right brain and the left brain, that the right brain, which is responsible for like creativity and like, you know, ideas and flow and like just all these really positive, like not even necessarily positive, but. um, Creative. Yeah. Yeah. Creative. That the present lives in the right brain. And then in the left brain, which is like analytical, logical, objective, that's where the past and the future live. So oftentimes when we're fearful, I'm not, when I'm fearful of something, I'm not in creativity, flow, you know, innovation ideas. Mm -hmm. When I'm in fear, it's usually like I'm being very analytical, very logical, very objective, finding all the reasons why it won't work. And so I just think it's interesting that like one of the ways to overcome fear again is to like take action here in the present because not because thinking about it isn't going to do anything to help you face it or overcome it. Yeah. And just like really bringing yourself to the present and taking a step forward. Yeah. I think that would be just 
good to look at. Like when you have fear about something, just look and, and you probably realize like, oh my gosh, it's always usually something that hasn't even happened that could or couldn't, but it's always in the future. Yeah, that's interesting. One thing um, I wanted to touch on, another thing from Sarah Blakely that I I read a while back, several years ago. It's a question that she said, like her mindset um, about failure, she credits her dad with helping her with with that. And the question she said that her dad would ask them at the dinner table is not like, hey, how was your day? Tell me, <laughs> you know, anything like that. It was, what did you fail at today? Or what did you fail at this week? And I remember reading that and thinking, what a great question. And she said for her, what that created was failure became more about not, failure was not trying, not like necessarily what an outcome of anything was, but failure was not trying. And we should ask our kids that again. We used to ask them that at dinner. We haven't done that for a while, but I just love that shift of how, of how she learned to look at failure that way. Yeah. And what's interesting is part of the reason I wanted to talk about this today is I just met with this really awesome girl who um, has grown up here in Hawaii and she wants to help entrepreneurs and organizations with their story and their message. And she heard that that's what I do with campfire fact. And so she just asked if she could buy me um, a cup of coffee and I told her she could buy me an acai bowl instead because those are my favorite um, things to eat uh, here in Hawaii. So we had an acai bowl. And what's interesting is the thing that she's the most afraid of is the same thing that almost all of our clients in the campfire factor are most afraid of. And I think it goes to what Melissa has been talking about embarrassment and failure. And she's like, well, what if I get it wrong? Right? Mm-hmm. Like what if I, what if I start this business and like my idea is wrong or what if I pick this certain group of like clients to serve and they're the wrong clients. Or what if I lead out with this message and it's the wrong message? Now, as you can imagine, (laughs) she's taking very little action right now, but she's thinking about it a lot. And, and rather than living in the present around it, she's running with all these scenarios that aren't even real, that haven't even happened that may never happen. Right. But that's, what's so crazy is if you do that, it is real for you. Even though it's never happened and it's in the future, it, it feels so real and the fear is so strong. And I just said to her, I said, but what if it's impossible to get it wrong? And she was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, what if the only way you're wrong is if you don't go for it? Because I believe if you go for it, you're going to be right. Meaning... The, th- the idea you pick at right out the gate and the message you pick and the market you choose to serve, like, let's just say that right out the gate, like it all works and it feels really good. Well, technically, quote unquote, you were right. But let's say that out the gate, none of that works. You're not wrong. In fact, my experience with a lot of our coaching clients is because you picked something, you're more likely to now to be led to the thing that is really aligned with you. But you'll never know that if you like sit on the sidelines of life. If you're constantly living in the past about like fearful of decisions you've already made, living in the future, fearful of what might happen. It's like, you just, you're only wrong if you don't decide to go to that gym class. (laughs) You're only wrong if you don't decide to like reach out to the family member who you haven't talked to in years or like, like again, this action. And she asked me how I started with that with the campfire fact. And I said, 
I said, one of the saving graces that I think for me, and it's gotten me in trouble, but it's also helped me is, and Melissa can attest to this. Like I've just, I've been a, for whatever reason, I just, I've never been afraid to jump out of the pair, the airplane with no parachute and try to, you just had faith that I could figure out how to build it on the way down. You can just like smooth talk your parachute. <laughs> and like, opening. <laughs> and that's gotten me in some trouble, but like, there's nothing I'm, I miss I, that, that filter between like thinking of an idea and taking action that like, were you like really like that wise filter of like doing some due diligence, thinking about it? Like I don't have it. So I like, I get an idea and I go, um, and I still have fears, but like, but I really believe that this thing that we're so afraid of, of like failing or getting it wrong or being embarrassed. It's like, what if none of that's, what if all of that's just made up by us? What if there's no way to be wrong? What if the only way to be wrong is to not face your fear and not take action? I think it would be important to point out though, too, like what does, what your business and your messaging and your offerings look like now compared to what they looked like originally. Okay. So that's, that was so funny. That's exactly what I told this girl today. I was like, and look, if you compare Campfire Effect to today to what it was, it looks nothing like it, but it would have never gotten to this place. I even told her the joke. I was like, when I first started, I had this idea of like a two day workshop. And it was so funny because she asked me the same question. Everyone has asked me or a lot of our clients how'd you come up with that? And was it, and I was like, Oh, I just thought of like, I don't know if I want to spend any more than two days with people. Like it was, there's no scientific, <laughs> like I just picked it. Oh yeah. Like two day workshop. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. And then I had no clue what I was doing. In fact, I remember the first one I did, the person texted me the night before and was like, Hey, so like, where are we meeting? Like, where are we doing this thing tomorrow? And I was like, Oh gosh, I, I probably, they probably think like, what the heck did I give it? I didn't even told them where we're meeting. They get to there and they're like, so, okay, what? I, I remember you told me about this. Like, what are we doing again? And I was like, oh, okay. So on the next one, I should let someone know ahead of time where we're going to meet. I should give them some things to think about. So instead of like leaving the house that morning and telling your spouse, like, and they're like, hey, where are you going? It's like, I don't know. I got roped into something crazy thing by this guy. I shouldn't have done it. It's going to waste two days of my, at least they might be leaving the house being like, Oh yeah, I'm going to this thing. And this, I think it's going to be really great. Right. So, but again, like, and even if you could design it perfectly, it won't end up looking like anything like that anyways. So you might as well not be so constrained by trying to figure it all out. And and another thing that essentially what this girl was saying today, and I think Melissa, you've identified, you've, you've seen this, but like so many people get constrained because of like, I don't know how, well, how would I do it? And it's like the how never matters. As long as you commit and you're in action, the how always figures itself out. Like you didn't know how to renovate a fourplex. You didn't know how to like deal with this plumbing disaster. Like that's, but the how is not what matters. And I love uh, my good friend Brad's quote, the map appears when the car is in motion. But so often we're sitting in the parked car and we're like, okay, give me the map. Then I'll put it in gear and go. And I think the way the universe works and, and God, like with this concept of faith is like, no, you have enough faith to start the car, put it in gear and start driving. And then the map will, the map will come and the how will present itself. So hard to do. You really, Chris really does have a gift for this. I am kind of the opposite. (laughs) I would research, 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 and then eventually maybe do something. But I think that because you are given that gift, like people can totally learn, learn from you. 
and get over, like you've totally helped me get out of that analyzing mode and just be like, okay, we just gotta, we just gotta move on something. And to the same point, Melissa, fortunately for me has caught me at times before I've gone too far down the road on something and been like, uh, what are you doing? Did you think about this? And like, no, did you think about that? Mm-mm. Like, so there is this good, like, but, I, but I truly believe that most people don't need to be more analytical and more and to do more due diligence. Like if there's one area where it's like, they're probably doing enough of that already. I think it's just like, you just go without worrying about failing, without worrying about embarrassment and realizing that you're going to be right. And the reason you're going to be right is because you, you got off the sidelines and you got onto the playing field of life where the game's actually happening. And like, you're giving yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, and I really believe that like God, the universe, like whatever you want to call it, it's just sitting there waiting for each one of us to pick something and go so that it can get behind us and start to bless us and like put things in our path. And it's not that it can't get behind us because it it's un, it, unwilling to, it's just like, it doesn't even know how to support us. Like God, the universe, whatever, because we haven't, cho- we haven't chose anything. It's just like waiting for us to just go. Do you remember the quote you used a while back? One, one fully commits one. Yeah. Time. I can't remember exactly, but I feel like it. Let me read that would one land again. perfectly right here. When one definitely commits oneself. And again, Melissa and I were just talking about this. Like, I think it's by J.W. Goth, but some of these old quotes, it's so hard to find out who really said them. I should just start claiming them. <laughs> <laughs> Throw my hat in the ring as one more person who said it. But J.W. Goh said, the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves to all sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. Unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance, which no man or woman could have dreamed would have come his or her way. And we have so, like, we have seen that so many times in our lives, like even Hawaii, Melissa. Like, think about that quote in the context of moving to Hawaii. We didn't know how to move to Hawaii. We didn't know, like, if our house would sell. Like, it just, but that wasn't like it was, it was, we just decided to go. And yeah, could this, like, have, could there have been some embarrassments around this and some failures? And like, sure, there still could be. But it was like the moment we committed and just said yes, just like this quote said, Providence moved too. All sorts of things occurred that helped us. Unforeseen incidents, yep, that happened. Meetings, yep. Material assistance, like all of those things. And there's been hardships. But like the fear of what could have happened to our kids or to like the market or like my like our business, like could have kept us from like, ah, even though this really does call to us and it's something we know we want to do, like, all these things could happen. So let's just stay put. Yeah. I like what you said earlier. Like, I don't know just how, how important it is to just really live and just get, get in the ring or get on the field or whatever analogy you want to, you want to use here. I don't know. I just think that's really, I don't know. At the end of my life, I want to feel like I did that. Yeah. It's like, cause like, what's the alternative? Like what, 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 it doesn't mean like just just careless, like without thought, like without, you know, prayer and meditation and pondering. Certainly. But like, what's the alternative? Just never, never going for like what you, 
really want and why? Because of the fear of something that might maybe could possibly happen someday. <laughs> like it's not a very compelling case when you really think about like, why not? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We make it pretty compelling in a big case in our minds, but like, or, you know, for me, sometimes you, you even put other people, you even make other people part of the consideration, like what someone else might think or then what they might do. But that's not really, that's not really living either. Yeah. Well, and I think part of that would probably go to what Sarah's talking about, about the embarrassment. Mm-hmm. There's this really great quote that I'm trying to find that I think ties to what you were saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hunter S. Thompson. He said, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty well and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. <laughs> I think there's a good quote by Marjorie Hinckley along the same lines too. Oh yeah. Let me find that one real quick. And obviously that doesn't mean that I don't take his quote. I mean, like don't take care of your body. <laughs> Uh, hers is more about like the scout shirt and like the and the peanut butter jelly smears on yeah on your shirt and stuff that one that's a good one yeah she says I don't uh, this is by Marjorie uh, Pay Hinkley she said I don't want to drive up to the pearly gates in a shiny sports car wearing beautifully tailored clothes my hair expertly coughed and with long perfectly manicured fingernails I want to drive up in a station wagon that has mud on the wheels <laughs> from taking kids to scout camp I want to be there with a smudge of peanut butter on my shirt from making sandwiches for a sick neighbor's children. I want to be there with a little dirt under my fingernails from helping to weed someone's garden. I want to be there with children's sticky kisses on my cheeks and the tears of a friend on my shoulder. I want the Lord to know I was really here and that I really lived. Love that. Yeah. It's like, I really lived. Now I could do without the station wagon full of kids and scout shirts personally, (laughs) personally. And the peanut butter on your shirt. That would drive you crazy too. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, just like I want to have, re- I want to be able to say I really lived, and that I lived life on on my terms, and it was an adventure. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is something you are afraid of right now? That's such a great question. Something I am afraid of right now. There's a potential partnership I have with a past client to do something in their industry that is a little bit outside of like the traditional campfire effect, like my quote unquote wheelhouse as mm-hmm. far as like my business model, but totally aligns with like, I feel like my, my gifts and strengths and it just, yeah, I'm a little bit afraid of like exploring that or going all in on that if we were to do something together. Because it's new. Um, probably like if I think about the ones we've talked about so far, is it like, well, would it be the fear of failure? No. Would it be being wrong? No. Would it be embarrassed? Yeah. It's probably more the embarrassment. And I think that's actually interesting. Like, I don't think we, we didn't come into this thinking those three things, but like those really are like at the root of a lot of our fears is fear of failure, right? Mm -hmm. Fear of embarrassment or like, what if I'm wrong? You know? So for me, it'd be more the probably embarrassment. Like if it didn't work out. Right. Yeah. If it didn't work out or like if certain other clients that I have or people that I know found out I was doing this thing because it is so different, mm-hmm. you know, what would they think? And mm. that's interesting. I feel like you're never afraid of anything. 
You never say you're afraid of anything. <laughs> okay. What's something you're afraid of right now? Um, it would have to be Instagram. <laughs> I could think of a handful of things right now, but that's the first one that I'm like, uh, yeah, maybe that. Because I don't know, that blasted app just scares me. <laughs> what about it scares you? I think it's like the, well, a, a lot of things, but it's probably, the, they're all probably projections of things that aren't even actually real. So one would be embarrassment. Like what if I put my face on there? I, For me, I feel scared to like put myself out there. Not like, not, not just like in writing, but literally like put pictures of you on there and like. Yeah. And, and like, um, in your stories, like video recordings of you, selfie recordings. And, and I feel, I feel like I want to do that. Like, I feel like I could add value to people, but it is freaky for me to do that. Okay. So which of, which of the three? Is I'm curious which one you think it has the most to do with. Is it the fear of failure? Like you'll you'll quote unquote put this effort in and it fails. Is it what if I'm wrong? Like the strategy I pick to like be effective on Instagram, or is it um, fear of being embarrassed? It's probably embarrassed. Well, like in what way? That... People would make fun of your selfie, or they'd like. <laughs> um, I just I guess I just see how and not that I would want to grow my account to be anything like huge, but I guess, guess I just see like once it's beyond your close family and friends that people, I feel like sometimes have done seem to just take off the gloves and just <laughs> like talk about you as if you're not even there. And so maybe that's what I'm afraid of. And the other thing I think would be, um, I worry like, Oh, what if I start this thing? And then it becomes, like a big, a big job that I have to keep, keep up. And in an effort to keep up the family brand, Instagram, your family falls apart. How ironic would that be? <laughs> so instead- why'd you guys get divorced? <laughs> well, we were trying to help build families and I got really obsessed with social media. <laughs> so instead I just, you know, don't do anything on Instagram. That makes sense, right? Yeah. But here's what's interesting. How often do you sit? How often do you think about it lately? Um, more than I'm actually doing anything. <laughs> I'm not actually doing anything. I'm just thinking about doing it. Okay. So here's what's really interesting. I think about this conversation so far. It's actually helping me identify. That's why I love the podcast. I feel like I get more out of it than anyone. Okay. So if you'd asked me before this podcast, what are the things that have people be afraid? I wouldn't have thought of all of these, but just, just to recap, we've talked about what has us be afraid is fear of embarrassment. We talked about like the fear of getting it wrong. We talked about the fear of failure. We talked about the fear of like, I don't know how, right? So like maybe like strategically, like how would I do this? And then I think there's actually a fifth one, Melissa, that maybe you just talked about that, that could, could be embarrassment, but I actually think it's different. And it's the fear of being judged. Mm. Like I, I could see like, especially with the gym class analogy, like I might be like, ah, it's just embarrassing to go and like work out and like, I wouldn't know the moves, but an even deeper one would be like, and if because of my like not knowing the moves and that embarrassment, I get judged. So I could see those being like, so those five things, like the fear of embarrassment, the fear of getting it wrong, the fear of failure, the fear of like, I don't know how, the fear of being judged. 
But what's interesting is like a lot of times the things we have fear of, they're not, you're fearful of it because you want to do it. Yeah. That's what's so interesting for most of us. Yeah. And I feel like I could bless, not that I have like, oh, all these gifts that I can bless people with, but I'm like, I feel like God wants me to put myself out there. Okay. Reese, that's not powerful to say. (laughs) Okay. I'll say it again. I don't have any gifts that I could use to bless people, but God wants me to, so I'll go ahead and do it. (laughs) No. Okay. I'm not saying that, that I don't have any. I'm just saying, do I feel especially like... Like, I feel like I've worked on a, on a lot of things that I could, that I could talk about, but I don't necessarily feel like, oh, I was put here with all these miraculous things to share with people. Yeah, it's interesting. So one of the things that you know this, but when we're teaching clients in the campfire effect, how to, how to be confident when they show up to like a sales conversation or an enrollment opportunity to like sell someone, enroll mm-hmm. them into their business, that can be a really confronting thing for people. And one of the biggest things that you have to confront is like, what do I have to offer? Like this imposter syndrome. And so one of the things we teach all of our campfire fact clients is that you show up with this energy of I have arrived. Mm-hmm. And I love just saying that to people and just seeing their reaction. Cause at first they're like, Oh no, like I would never. <laughs> and it's like, but, but you know, I, I tell them like, but hear me out. It's not like I have arrived, like I'm better than you or I have arrived. Like I've figured it all out or I have arrived. Like I have this huge ego. It's, I can acknowledge in myself the journey that I've been on and the work I've done to get to a place in my life where I can teach something that can make a difference for people. Like I've arrived at this place in my life to teach things to people that can make a difference for them. And it's not about me. Like part of that journey was like other people blessing me and like things I learned because of my mistakes. But I know, but regardless, I've arrived. And to me, it carries with it like, this responsibility to help people. So the way I look at it is like, I've arrived and I have a long way to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Looking at it that way. So what if you just did it? I like they were having like a therapy session. <laughs> but remember that question Very when good. we used to, uh, one of my clients that came out of a client workshop I did and that became kind of a theme in their company. Like anytime they're facing fears, like the question is, what if you just did it? And we've used that on each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, we totally have. So here's what's interesting. Two things. And I'm going to use Melissa as the example, but it's like for all of us, who are you in this whole thing, Melissa, with Instagram? Mm-hmm. Who do you like? Why? Who do you really want to make a difference for through Instagram? I would say parents, mothers. Okay. So the whole intention behind wanting to do it in the first place, it's not to make a huge difference for you. Yeah. But who's the only one you've been thinking about in this whole like story in your mind around like the fear of it? Yeah, me. In a weird way. Like, yeah, <laughs> I do the same thing. It's like the things I really want to do. It's like, it's not about me. It's about the people I could help. But yet the person I'm obsessed with and it all is me. So fear actually has us with it, whether we realize or not be kind of selfish too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could totally see that. It doesn't, from the outset, it doesn't feel like that at all. You feel like, oh, I'm self-preserving, I guess, but yeah, I can totally see how that would be. Yeah. And like, as someone who knows you and who like sees how amazing you are and believes in you, like, yeah, you're being selfish in a certain sense because you're keeping your gifts from the world. Like, and it's okay if that's what, and I'm not saying 
oh, you're selfish. You should go do it. Like, no, you, you'd have to really want to do it. You'd have to really want to like, it calls to you, but, but it's not like you're sitting here saying like, gosh, I don't want to do Instagram. It's like, no, you, you, I can tell. And you've told me like, you want to do it. You feel called to do it. And the other second, the other thing I was going to say that's so interesting about fear is sometimes when I'm afraid of something, I don't do it. And then the only thing I think about is the fact I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's like crazy. It's like, it would just be easier to actually just go give it a shot. It's like that quote that we said at the beginning, you know, you don't overcome your fear by thinking about it, but by, you know, thinking will not overcome fear, but action will. Mm-hmm. Action. So this week I'd say identify everyone listening, identify something that you're afraid of. Just like I just asked Chris, just like he just asked me, what's something that you're afraid of right now? And then I think now that we kind of identify these five things, which I'm going to look at some of my other things through this, identify that, that thing that you are afraid of first, second, identify what, um, what category you would put it in. Meaning, are you afraid of it because the fear of embarrassment, the fear of getting it wrong, the fear of failing, the fear of like, well, I just don't know how to do it or the fear of being judged. Cause I think we can, you can isolate that. It's, it's helpful, right? Yeah, it is. It's like, Oh, well, maybe that. And then the third thing I would say is identify what you're going to do to take action on it. This Large week. or small this week, <laughs> you like take action on it. That would actually have you confront the fear and then see how horrifying bad or surprisingly not as bad you thought it was right. Okay. So Melissa and I are going to do this right now. So Melissa. Yes. You've identified your fear. You've identified that it's fear of embarrassment and being judged more being judged. Right. So what, and then I'll, and then we can do the same with mine. What are you going to do this week? As far as taking action, post five selfies a day. <laughs> no, <laughs> I I will put my face on my stories. Um, let's say break it in easy. Three days this week. Wow. Okay. So follow along on Instagram at our family brand for this epic experiment. Experiment. Our family brand. You're gonna. So you're gonna post. You're going to do, you're going to three times, three days this week. You're going to do stories with your face in the story. Yes. Okay. So mine, what is an action that I could take around this thing that I'm have some fear over with this potential partnership? I think I will have a conversation. Now I think I will have a conversation with my client and I will actually outline what me taking advantage of this opportunity with her would look like. And really explore it with her to see like, is this really viable? Because lately I just think about it, but I don't, I haven't, I don't take any action on it. And you'll have the conversation. So I'll outline it. Okay. And then I'll have a conversation with her this week and show it to her. Okay. Because even for me, it's like, I'd rather either just take action on it or I'd rather just like get it out of my world altogether and focus on something else. Mm -hmm. I love that. And okay. So identify something this week identify something that you're afraid of that you want to take action on, but haven't yet Um, identify which like maybe why you're not taking action or why you're afraid. Any of those five, five things that we've keep mentioning and then find either go share it with someone, whether that's, 
Yeah, partner. totally. You got to have some accountability. Yes. You can share it. Go on Instagram. You can share. I'm going to do a post about this. You can comment on the post and share what you're doing this week. Or share it in your stories or share it on Instagram and tag us in it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Let's make it, let's make it a good week. Facing our, facing our fears head on. Take action. <laughs> hey there. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes. And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together. Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. We will see you in the next episode.